Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast it's really, really fun when you have an opportunity to to watch somebody work kind of behind the scenes and be very, very successful, very respectful, very professional, just everything that you would really want in somebody who's trying to build a relationship. Now, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. I mean, Kirk and I just had a podcast recently where we were talking about how important it was to kind of date before you ask somebody to marry them or even court them before you date them, which is really the way that marketing works. And our guest today is a perfect living example of that, but there's so much more. So Bob DeMeo is our guest today. He is the managing partner of DeMeo Schneider and Associates, LLC. He's also the author of a super fun book. Uh, we're going to have a link into the show notes immediately, uh, which is 50 Billion Reasons to Grow Your Practice, a guide to successful or guide to success enjoyment for investment advisors. Bob, welcome, welcome to the show, man. Oh, Matt, thanks so much. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Well, I always start off the podcast with pretty much the same question, which is, you know, tell me how you became you. Like, how did you get to being the managing partner of a very large law firm, publishing an amazing book and providing some really good stuff for for our advisor community? Yeah, well, and we can go on and on, but uh, uh, like in all instances, that there's a lot that goes into it, and a lot of people and a lot of good things uh, uh, that have to correlate, right, for for any sort of success, however that's defined, and. Uh, here, I would say it, it, it was really just uh, uh, almost a almost a lifelong passion of growing and building things. I remember starting my first business at the age of 16 and ultimately becoming, uh, after graduating from college, a, a straight commission stockbroker and always sort of having an eye or a mind towards how can we refine, how can we improve, and and ultimately uh, starting this firm with Bill Schneider and five others uh, back in 1995. And uh, it's been a heck of a ride since. Going from commission and then building a firm, it, I mean, we could do probably six podcasts about that alone, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm interested in one of the things that you said, as, as most of our audience knows, uh, you and I talk a little bit before we ever push the record button for a lot of different reasons. But I was commenting on, on how I really liked your marketing person. You had talked about, you know, having having those superstars. Would would you mind just talking a little bit about how your mindset has allowed you from a marketing perspective, from a communication and a growth perspective on how you've become where you where where you've gotten to now? Yeah. So I I think I probably am similar in this fashion to a number of other advisors in that I certainly have a, a thorough understanding of the numbers and the quantitative side. And, uh, you know, some folks here, particularly, we've got 30 plus people participating in our research effort. And and some of them will laugh when I, I remind some of the younger ones that, hey, I used to actually head up research uh, way back when. And, uh, you know, there's CFAs and CPAs and all sorts of just really super talented professionals running around. So I've got the quantitative component. But what I always really enjoyed was the hunt for the client, the solve, what is it, whether it be working with an individual or ultimately with an institution, what is it we're trying to accomplish and how can we work towards that solve? And, and part of that 
um, really ties in strongly to being able to effectively communicate and influence. And I say this in a very positive and high integrity manner, but, but how can you help someone accomplish what they want to accomplish? Uh, that probably only happens whether it's in financial services or medicine or any number of professions, if you really have strong and good communications slash marketing, if you will. When it comes to the book itself, what can people expect? I mean, you have a very bold title here, which is 50 Billion Reasons to Grow Your Practice. What are you, what are you talking about there, man? Let's, let's talk about why you wrote the book, where the idea came from. Um, you know, writing a book is a labor of love, brother. I mean, it's not an easy thing to undertake. So let's talk about the book. No, and I will tell you, it's very different. I think the first book that Bill Schneider and I co-authored was back in 93, I want to say, Designing a 401k Plan. And I remember the kids were little and and literally, you you know, it wasn't like Scott Turow where you take a, a 12-month sabbatical and go write a book. You put in a 10-hour day and then somehow find time to write a book. And back then I would come home for a little bit and then go to the local public library for some quiet time to work on the book. This one was my very first book, which is not technical in nature. There have been several on nonprofit asset management and, as I mentioned, designing a 401k and that sort of thing. So so this one, there was, there was a confluence of events. Uh, I'll keep it super brief, but uh, it was kind of two milestones within a one-week period. One fella who I had not met before, but someone introduced me to him. He had a few questions on growing a practice and, and, and things of that nature. But before he really dove into his questions, he, he basically complimented me. And I don't want this to come off as immodest, but I, I think maybe he, I, I used to serve on the Investment Management Consultants Association board, and he might have seen me speak or, or maybe written some or, or read some articles. But he complimented me on he said what I had done for the industry and profession, and, and it was almost embarrassing. I just kind of nudged the conversation uh, to his uh, questions and so on. But then less than a week later, Jenna, one of the rock stars you were referencing earlier, who heads up our marketing efforts, Jenna informed me that we passed the $50 billion threshold in terms of assets under advisement. And, you know, normally I'm head down charging, and, and I mean that in a positive way, just kind of letting momentum build momentum and a lot of intentionality looking forward. But, but right then I sort of realized, boy, these are two really interesting and, and significant milestones in a short period of time. And that's what prompted me to write the book and not just about how to be successful. As you know, the book is broken down into six different parts, all the way from leadership through marketing, investments, and, and then work-life balance. But I, I really wanted to share what I could. And, and let me be clear, I'm still working on it every day, right? Uh, this, this mission is never done. But but I wanted to share and help other advisors or professionals or just individuals on how they could be, quote, successful, whatever that means in their world, and have enjoyment along the way. I really appreciate that. It, it, having that balance is really important because a lot of people who are hard chargers, like you said, where you have your head down and you're really focused, unfortunately miss stuff sometimes. And, and you know, we can't get that time back. So I, I, I really, I love that aspect of the book. I thought it was good. I don't think that there are enough books like this that really address life balance. I think they'll talk about the, the systems and the leadership and, and some of the other practice management pieces. But in fact, you know what? I'm going to take leadership back because I think leadership and work-life balance were the two sections of the book that really jumped out at me. And then, of course, I want to talk about marketing because you know that's mm -hmm. what the podcast is about. But let's, let's talk about leadership. Uh, I think a lot of advisors have an issue 
uh, realizing that part of their marketing is their ability to lead an organization to help with focus and direction. Where did you learn about leadership? Who did you study? Are there any books that you'd like to share with anybody or any courses you took? Help us with that. Yeah, so probably like many of your listeners, the uh, on the leadership front, it's it's been a uh, an aggregation of so many different sources over time and mentors, and 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 I can really point to some terrific mentors over the years. But in terms of readings and such, and and also in terms of engaging uh, outside help, I'm just a giant fan of Patrick Lencioni and his organization. And I will tell you, I had felt this for a long time. And I think I had somewhat led in this fashion, but it really sort of was encapsulated when I learned Patrick Lencioni start to talk about healthy organizations. And, and when he really read, uh, uh, what really resonated with me was when he said, everybody thinks that credentials and hard work matter so much, but those are just entry stakes. And what really matters and what so many folks ignore is a healthy organization. And and when we think of healthy organizations, we think of those with a lot of collaboration and lower turnover and higher camaraderie and things of that nature. And, and you know, just think of the world in terms of uh, the unhealthy organization. And it's funny, when we're doing a finals pitch for a, a large university or a hospital or a, a wealthy family, uh, right, everybody at that table, everybody involved uh, in terms of being a finalist has credentials and hard work, but what's your differentiator? And I would say, Matt, that that has, uh, has really helped. Again, I think I believed it, but boy, Patrick Lencioni, his books and, and sort of his principles really helped me in terms of crystallizing and, and uh, sort of implementing that. Well, you just said the key of marketing in there too, right? Which is the, the ability to differentiate yourself when, when you're in the finals. How have you done that? Where did you, where have you focused with that? Or let's talk about some of your marketing successes and failures over these years. Let's start off with what has gone really well and how, when you're in that, I call it game time, right? It, it, it's in the finals, right? It's, it's when everything uh, culminates, all of your hard work and you're playing for that championship. How did you create all of the language surrounding that and your overall brand? Yeah, so we, again, it's, I would say, multifaceted and perpetual, <laughs> never-ending. But I think about our approach in terms of finals and so on. And I listened to one of your podcasts. I'm, I'm forgetting uh, uh, exactly which episode it was, but where one of the guests talked about, I thought it was something where when you have someone making a buying decision and let's say it's that B2B or it probably doesn't matter, but uh, they're making a buying decision and they have all sorts of things they have to do. Maybe they create a request for proposal or they check with friends on referrals and so on and so forth. That only 17% of the time is actually spent talking to the potential firm or individuals that they're hiring. And, and boy, doesn't that mean that you really want to do two things. One is the 83%, make sure you're showing up with good content and lead generation and nurturing and all of that to the extent you can. But then when you're in that batter's box, if you will, perform as, as well as you possibly can. And, and so we can talk a lot about a, a lot of things here, but something that really has captivated me over the last year and a half or so is this uh, concept of storytelling. And, and again, I, I use that term probably many are familiar with it, but business storytelling. I use it with the utmost respect in talking about integrity and not embellishment, 
But, but when we think about human connection, it comes down to stories or parables and, or analogies or metaphors, right? And, and so uh, we actually, uh, I've read many books on the subject in, in the last 18 months or so, and there are a lot of good ones out there, uh, but there's a fellow by the name of Park Howell, and he has the, uh, the business of storytelling is actually his firm and his podcast. And we brought him in and he worked with a dozen of us here, really just kind of adding a framework, if you will, about storytelling. And this is just one facet, Matt, but, mm-hmm. but I think when you talk about differentiating, everyone can walk in with CFAs and various other designations and, and start just bombarding a prospect with data and things that are important to me or you. Uh, but what's really important to the prospective client? And I think story helps bridge that gap. Oh, man, brother, I absolutely agree with you. I think, uh, you know, Mitch Anthony used to uh, speak and he still does uh, about story selling. And, and there have been so many different people who understand the power of story. And, and honestly, Bob, I think you have to be a good storyteller, though, because I've worked with some advisors in the past who, boy, they'll, they'll spin a yarn, but it's not a fun yarn to listen to all the time, right? So, uh, you know, making it so that you have the opportunity to have that interaction is is fantastic. And and I think part of your ability to separate yourself is the six categories or the six sections of the book. And when you are able to have a a good work life balance, when you're able to um, have that um, energy, right, that that gives you, when you do walk in to the finals, you're going to have a level of refreshment that I don't think a lot of other people uh, will have because they're not balancing their life well. Would you mind sharing a little bit about the the balance section of the book? Sure. And it's funny, as you were as you were describing that, and you were saying when you could walk into a finals pitch and, and have a, uh, a good balance, I was thinking of the word energy, and then you said it, right? And, and how do you know if you're in the right place? It's probably if you have an energy about what you're doing. I came in this morning to the office excited about the opportunity to do the podcast with you. We had a great weekend up at the lake. And and uh, uh, and so do you have an energy about what you're doing? And I can tell you on that front, I've done some things that are very helpful. And the book covers things like just say no, right? And I talk about these just say no modes. And, and sometimes when we're feeling underwater, if you will, and just buried, I go into a maybe a 30-day just say no mode. And of course, you don't say no to clients. But anything optional, that investment manager that's in town, I'd like to get together for a cup of coffee and you really like the fella or gal and they like you and you always have interesting dialogue, but that would fall into the just say no category for that 30-day period or any number of other things. So I found that to be really helpful. Uh, I also try to, as I mentor younger professionals here and so on, I try to help folks appreciate and understand the difference between situational and structural um, overwhelm feelings, right? And so situational, we all can muscle through, have to work late for a few nights or have to work a weekend. That should not go on perpetually, but you've got that big assignment or project or what have you. And we understand that happens sometimes. Uh, but if it's going on and on and on, then it's structural. And, and that's where I ask folks, raise your hand and we've got to, or talk to your manager or leaders in the organization, and we've got to figure out, boy, do we need to add a body? Or maybe we need to uh, kind of have some additional training, or maybe we need some more technology, whatever the case may be. So I would say uh, helping, having individuals really think about, am I 
situationally overwhelmed or am I structurally overwhelmed and, and then doing something about that? I'm going to put you on the spot here because I got you all warmed up with the warm and fuzzy. <laughs> how much does your organization spend on marketing? And, and I love how you define marketing in the book because it's not just external marketing for, for prospects and centers of influence and relationships. It's also the internal marketing. Have you quantified that? Yeah, so I, I've, I've read a lot on that, sort of what are appropriate spend rates and so on. And, and on a relative basis, uh, as a percentage, I suppose we're probably middle of the pack or, or, or maybe a little bit below. So we spend a, a, a very significant amount on research, investment research. And so we publish our white papers, folks can check out our website, and, 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 uh, and then we speak at conferences and so on. But I, I'm just going to be very candid, Matt, where, where we have uh, probably really underachieved, if you will, or underinvested is capitalizing on this great content. And, and someone told me recently that when you have a, a really strong piece of content, that you should repurpose that. And I sort of knew that. So you have the white paper oh, and you email that to a few folks and, and put it on your website. And, and, and so there's, there's one repurpose. But I, I've been told that a good piece should be repurposed up to 11 times. And, and we're just now starting to uh, really develop a plan and more intentionality around uh, lead generation and then nurturing, right? You, you never know exactly where someone is in the funnel, and uh, and we have to, and we will improve on that. To date, it's really just been write books, speak at conferences, put out great research, hopefully become very referable, as you've talked about on your podcast, and uh, and and it's gone that way. Uh, but now we want to add more framework and intentionality to it. Well, let's talk about the research, man, because research can be great marketing, especially because if it's focused research, it's going to get the right people's attention, right? Which is just flat out good marketing. Why are you so uh, research focused? Uh, tell us the origins of that. Was there a, a void that you saw that you needed to fill because you wanted it professionally? B break that down for us, will you? Yes, absolutely happy to. So uh, we we got on this path, if you will, let's say we're on the research train. And when you're serving large university endowments and hospitals and pension funds and very large families and family offices and so on, you really have no choice but to deliver quality research. Now, you can purchase that or you can uh, generate that yourself. But we went down this path many years ago uh, where we said we're going to be a build versus buy, and 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 we're on this, and we can't step off this train. Uh, just to be very very candid, um, but the good news about it is uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, original research on things like active versus passive, or efficacy of of investment managers outperforming, and some proprietary tools on asset allocation and, and such. And what we have done, it's it's probably close. To 20 years now that we've offered this service, but it's really ramped up in the last four or five years, is we actually have a financial institutions practice where we sell our research to other investment advisors, some trust departments, and some multifamily offices. And if you think about it, Matt, it's actually been a, um, a really nice snowball effect, if you will, where we absolutely must produce the research for our large institutional clients. And then we lever that investment sum by selling research. It's all tailored. Uh, so it's not a dollar for dollar leveraging, if you will. 
but but we certainly leverage the research and the effort, and that gives us the ability to spend more on research. And it's just been a good snowball, if you will. How does an average advisor, or or what is your ideal target market? I mean, let's get down to the brass tacks of of how you're going to communicate your value proposition to to our audience, and also because of you have these great resources, you've got a great book, you've got the great research. Who should purchase this? Who should who benefits the most from, from what you guys do for your existing clients? So thank you. I'll, I'll start with who does not benefit, right? Who, who would not be a, an ideal client? Uh, an advisor who absolutely loves pouring through balance sheets and financial statements. And, and if that sort of is their professional stimulation, that advisor is probably not an ideal candidate. But take the advisor who, frankly, much like me, as I think earlier in my career, where I loved pursuing the client, understanding their needs. I love the idea of creating a solve, whatever that may be, and how do we look at inflows, outflows, required return, make this happen. Um, for the advisor who, who is more in that camp, then outsourcing research makes a lot of sense. And, and I actually think there are two ways to think about this. One is, what do you prefer? What do you like to do? Research or client-facing and so on. But the other is, it's become a much more demanding world out there. For, for two decades, we've been fielding RFPs from pension funds and, and large nonprofits. But now, as you're aware, Matt, and, and your listeners, individual investors are pretty demanding in the buying process, and, and they're pretty discriminating, and frankly, they should be. So it's the show-me mentality. And, and we've been able to work with advisors who, again, if their first love is not the research, they get it, they understand it, they could do it, but it's not what drives them. That's a good fit. And then if they are uh, in, a, in a position where they want some marketing and communication, so we, for example, white label, pretty, uh, we just put out so much research, but whether it be European elections or a Fed's recent interest rate decision or active versus passive or whatever the case may be, where these advisors are able to take our research and brand it as their own or use our name as they see fit. And so that's a nice opportunity. And some of them even end up creating revenue sharing opportunities where, for example, uh, let's say there's an advisor who's terrific at working with one to $5 million clients and they have a neighbor who is, sits on a board of a nonprofit with 50 million or 100 or 500 million. Uh, some of our advisor clients will refer business to us, pardon me, refer business to us, and then we have an opportunity on a fully disclosed basis to share revenue. White labeling stuff seems to be more and more of a trend. And if you do need it and you're not good at it, that also comes full circle, Bob, right back to the whole idea of leadership saying no, saying you can't do stuff, and also the opportunity to um, utilize something that is outsourced to assist you in work-life balance. I mean, if you if you don't want to spend the the 20 hours to to research something, being able to have somebody else do that for you kind of helps with this whole holistic for lack of a better description approach that I think that your book and your research and what your firm offers that kind of encapsulates it. Am I am I am I way off there, dude? No, I, Matt, I think you're spot on. And, and uh, so, so uh, everyone faces by build on all sorts of fronts all day long. And, and sometimes folks will say, well, what do you define as success? And success, one, one definition might be where uh, uh, the intersection exists of what you really enjoy doing and what you're really good at. And if that's 
not research, maybe you're good at it, but don't enjoy it. If that's not research, then outsourcing could make sense. And I don't think I fully answered your prior question because I will say that uh, uh, in terms of the types of advisors we're working with, they could be smaller RIAs all the way on up to uh, we have a client with 30 offices uh, across the, the country. And so when I think about that, it's kind of the small guy or gal saying, you know what, for what it would cost me to add a CFA and pay this and mm-hmm. do that. And then that's one. And I need many more than one. Uh, we've got those folks making that decision, and then we've got really large national organizations making the same decision so they can focus on their core competencies. Awesome. Core competencies, guys, that's super, super important for you to stay in the lane that you are most comfortable in is going to allow you to be way more successful, have better balance, and really just flat out do your job better. All right, Bob, anything I should have asked you that I didn't? I would say uh, I'll, I'll make a plug, if you will, for a wonderful organization that we're pretty involved with, and I serve on the local board, and uh, that this would fall into the what else do you do outside of work and spending time with family and friends and so on. And it's a great organization called Year Up. When a year is up, you're up. And we take young adults, 18 to 24 years old, and uh, uh, when they when they come into the program, uh, they are really low income on average earning $6,000 from very underprivileged neighborhoods uh, across the country. And within a year, it's a, a year plus actually, just a little bit, uh, they come out of the program earning on average about $40,000, changing their lives, their families' lives, uh, hopefully ultimately their neighborhoods and such. So uh, I would say check that out, yearup.org. And we will make sure that we put that in the show notes. So, Bob, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate you, you know, telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, about your practice, and, and about the sorts of stuff that uh, our listeners can gain great value from you. Matt, it's been great. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your podcast and all the uh, good nuggets of information and learnings that I've had. Thanks, man. That's why we do this. I really appreciate that. All right. Uh, as I say at the end of every podcast, if you have a topic idea or if you uh, if you just want to give us some feedback uh, or if you have a guest idea, just email me at matt at topadvisorm and that M is for marketing.com. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, we'll show up directly on your listening device. And finally, if you could give us a quick review on iTunes, we'd really, really appreciate it. We'll make sure that all of the, the links that uh, Bob talked about uh, in, in our podcast today are going to be in the show notes. So make sure that you check the show notes. Make sure you check out the, the, the nonprofit that we just talked about. And also, look at their research, download the book, buy the book. It's worth it. It's a really good read. I, I liked it because it was, it, was, it was an easy read for me. I was able to just kind of sit down and focus on it and, you know, glean really good information and in good bite-sized nuggets. So I really appreciate that. So for everybody uh, here at Top Advisor Marketing and Bob DeMail, this is uh, Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices.
Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.